the Global World Values Survey, conducted every five years, asked people in the various countries about their thoughts on a range of issues, including politics, their attitudes towards work, family, and gender equality. Singapore has taken part in the 2002 and 2012 survey. The latest survey done in 2020 was by researchers from Institute of Policy Studies, in short, IPS. It included responses from 2012 Singaporeans in a nationally representative sample. Interviews were conducted face-to-face -face from November 2019 to March 2020. The survey results are shown on the slide. So I'll give you some time to just quickly uh, have a glance of it. It is heartening to know to note that Singaporeans regard family as the most important aspect of their lives in these three surveys. And it's, it's interesting also to note that the importance they place on work has dropped consistently. Next, let me share with you the WSCS team for this current quadrennium from 2021 to 2024. And it is divine order in God's family. And the sub-theme for this year, 2021, is knowing God's rule for the Christian family. So this morning, I'll preach on the theme of family. Several years ago, LifeWay's research conducted an online survey on the top 10 issues facing today's family. More than 2,000 people from around the country took part in the survey. What are these top 10 issues facing today's family? Here are the results. And with each of the issues, I will also share a quote from a parent. One is, uh, is in a number of uh, important, uh, the number of importance, okay? The first one is anti-Christian culture. Fewer and fewer of my children's friends from school have a Christian upbringing, knowledge of God's word and how it applies to them. Many of the parents don't even care. Two, divorce. Divorce seems to be on the increase even among Christian families, leaving many, especially children, to wonder what commitment really means. Three, business. Satan uses business to make us think that we are being productive. Meanwhile, our relationships, our families, our churches are faltering. Four, absent father figure. If the fathers in our families do not take the spiritual leadership, how will our children learn to follow God the heavenly father's leadership. Five, lack of discipline. Without discipline and respect in the home, there is none in the world. Six, financial pressures. Living costs are rising rapidly 
especially in terms of health care, prescriptions and health insurance premiums. It is hard to stay on budget when living costs rise significantly faster than income. Seven, let the communication. Cell phones, the internet, digital satellite systems and playstations are becoming substitutes for relationship. Eight, negative media influences. We are being desensitized daily to what to what one should tolerate to the point of not recognizing sin as sin, but accepting it as the way things are. Nine, balance of work and family. Mom comes on tired, father comes on tired, family life suffers. Ten, materialism. Materialism is being hurled at us in every television, billboard, radio, and internet screen we encounter, not to mention peer pressure. Too often, presence, our parents substitute presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-T-S, for presence, P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E. -E. Someone commented that the issues identified are symptomatic of a deeper underlying problems that need to be addressed. The root cause in Christian lack of is Christian's lack of grounding in biblical teaching on marriage and the family. He's of the view that family and marriage are the divine institution that is the target of intense spiritual warfare. For this reason, superficial remedies are not good enough. Rather, Christians must once again be taught God's plan for marriage and the family, and not only that, but also must commit themselves to live out this teaching as part of the Christian discipleship and as an expression of the witness to Christ in this world. And the best way to counter the issues faced by the families these issues, are, uh, the survey was done in, Amer in America, but I'm sure the top 10 issues are also some of the issues that we face here in Singapore. That's why for us to counter these issues faced by the family, Christians are to build godly families on biblical foundation. We'll now look at Psalm 127 verse 1. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who built it labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. The psalmist deliberately introduced a pun in verse 1. The Hebrew word for sun, house, or building, and built, come from the same root word. The house here refers to a house of bricks and mortar, as much as a house of children, that is, a family. And this is uh, very similar to Tia in Chinese, which can be used to refer to the physical home, Zhu Jia, or refer to the family, Jia Ting. Thus, even though the psalm is often used in the dedication, 
service of the church of a building or in the home blessing, it is equally appropriate for reflection on the building of a family. And this implication for the family is reinforced by verses 3 to 5, which are on the blessing of having children. So you can see that the theme of the family is also the underlying theme of Psalm 127. Note that the psalmist does not ask the builder to stop from building, stop from laboring, nor suggest that the watchman neglect his guard duty, or that they should show their trust in God by leaving everything to God and do nothing. They are to do all that they should do and then commit their effort to the Lord. And this applies to the building of a family. We should be working at building our own family. And this morning, I would like to focus on just three principles for building a godly family. Of course, there are many other uh, key uh, principles that we should look at. But this morning, I will just uh, focus on three principles. One is godly family begins with godly marriage. Family begins with the marriage of a man and a woman. The building of godly families begins with godly marriage. The three keys to godly marriages are, I'm using three words started, are starting with the letter C. First one, the first key is commitment. Commitment to the marriage covenant. Both husband and wife are to keep to the marriage vow till death do us part. They are to keep to the marriage vow as long as they both shall live. I think we all hear all these familiar phrases when we attend a, a wedding service. Number the second key is connection. Connection with each other. Both husband and wife are to stay close to each other. They are to deepen the relationship by having couple FaceTime, not just WhatsApp. Of course, we uh, often hear of uh, you know how sometimes you know the family may be all in, at home but they will WhatsApp one another because they're in different rooms. That is not enough. I think we need FaceTime, you know. And also need to date each other. I often, you know, encourage a couple at a pre-marital counselling course that they not only date one another when they're courting, but then they should continue to date one another even after marriage, and especially when the children come along. And they need to actually schedule the date on the calendar. I think we all learn that anything that is not you know, put in our calendar will never happen. You know, often, you know, my uh, children will laugh at me. You know, I have some friends I will keep in touch with. But the time just passed so fast that we kind of end up like meeting once a year during birthday. And that is that is possible also because we put it in our calendar. If not, it will never happen. I think by now, all of us know that anything that you, put, you don't put in the calendar, even though you say, okay, let's meet one day, it will never happen. So same thing for couple. Need to schedule in the appointment. Need to schedule in your dates in the calendar. And also, it's also very important for the couple to uh, do things together. Yeah. 
Bill Gates gave a statement on his recent divorce. He said, after a great deal of thought and a lot of word on our relationship, after 27 years of marriage, we no longer believe we can grow together as a couple. It's said that the failure to grow together as a, car, as a couple become the reason for the divorce. But then he recognized correctly that it is essential to, to a marriage that the couple should grow together as a, um, the, they should grow together as a couple. So that's where the connection, you know, the relationship with one another, one another is very important. And the third key, communion with God. Both husband and wife are to commit their marriage to God and to honour Him in their marriage. God will enable them to face the challenges in their marriage and enable them to continue to love each other. I think it's not easy to continue to love each other, you know, because each of us has our own idiosyncrasies. Like the other day, my husband was just telling me, oh, this year, you know, we'll be celebrating our 40th marriage, our wedding anniversary. So I jokingly say that, well, quite an achievement that we can, you know, bear with each other for so long. We can tahan one another for so long. But it's true, it's not easy, you know, to continue to love one another. One another. We need the grace of God, you know, to really help us to continue to build. And then like the portrait of marriage, which I think that's one of the so-called the material that I love to use for the premarital counselling. There is a never, never box. You know, sort of like once your relationship commit one another to each other, we need to show that till death to us part. We have to keep in our mind that our relationship is for life. Whatever challenges it may be, maybe even the painful, you know, it may be a painful journey. We need to know that God has blessed our marriage. We have, speak, we have uh, made our marriage vow before God and God will grant us the strength to go through whatever challenge we may be, never, never entertain the thought of divorce. So that's why it always has a never, never box. That uh, Bruce Wilkinson always say that a marriage couple should really, you know, right from beginning, determine to keep that to death to us part. So, and God is very important because God is the one that who gave us the grace. God is the one that gave us, you know, the the will and then give us the uh, also the grace to be able to continue to love one another. So the second principle is uh, godly families abide by biblical values. Parents are given the responsibility to bring up their children in the Lord. They are to establish biblical values in the home. The example of biblical values are love, compassion, humility, integrity, stewardship. I think each family will have to decide, you know, what are the values that they will place, uh, they put the priority in, and then they will live by it, they will inculcate in the, in the children. Even they have to come up with some kind of family tradition that will reinforce the values. Yeah. So that is uh, very important because once we abide by the biblical values, you'll find that just on all the top uh, 10 issues, if we abide by it, we ask God to grant us the strength, 
the, uh, the grace to be able to live it out, it will actually take care of quite many of the issues that we identified earlier on. So that's the second principle. The third principle is godly family honors God and serve God, serves God together. Family devotions, prayer, conversations about God should be common occurrences in the family. I put it's a very importance on the conversations in the conversations about God because it is very spontaneous. You know, even in Deuteronomy chapter six, as you walk, as you sit, as you stand, you thought about it. Of course, we can, we need to schedule in time to pray together. Need to schedule in, you know, to have a so-called uh, family uh, worship. But I think the most important is actually one. Not say most important. I think the equally important are the conversations about God. As you go about your daily activities over the dining table and all talk, have a conversation about God, about the, uh, what God wants us to do. All these are spontaneous. Yeah, it, it actually will sing in sometimes much more than the so-called uh, deliberate action. So equally important is a, is a conversation. Especially when some of us, we have the uh, difficulty or challenge or when our children... You know, especially when they reach a teenager, some of them would not want to come to church. That is where, or they would not even want to join uh, join in the formal, like so-called sit down, reading the Bible. Once they have view, I mean, they, they may want to go have their own way. And it's very important that we pray to God for wisdom. That in our daily conversation, we just incorporate, you know, the talk about God, talk about testimonies, talk about God's grace, all these living examples. Is even more important because it's very it's relevant to our daily activities. So these are some of the things that we honor God, you know, in our conversation, in what we do as a family. And it's so good to seek out opportunities to serve together as a family. Serving together in church is so beautiful that often we see that the whole family will come and serve God together or go on mission trip. Yeah, it's like really not only you strength, strengthen the bond, the family bonds. But also, you come to experience, you know, God's grace, God's reality in your life, and God's work in this world together as a family. So these are the three so-called principles. Of course, we can add on to it. There are many more that we can add on to it. But I thought these are the three that I think very essential. If we're able to really uh, live it out, I think we will win, you know, more than half of the battle already. And we also recognize that to want to build this godly family is a daunting task. It's not easy. Praise God that we are not in it alone. Your God is there to empower us. God is there to guide us and to lead us. And this means, brings me to look at the second verse in Psalm 127. And we can get a promise there. Psalm 127 verse 2. It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. This is a wonderful promise. God gives to his beloved sleep. We can claim this promise in our attempt to build a godly family. We can trust God to empower us. God gives to mothers and also fathers sleep. Yes, we need to work at building godly family However, we need not be unduly worried. We need not have sleepless nights. 
we can rest in God's promise. We are at different stages in terms of parenting. Some of us here are we young children. Some are we school-going age uh, children. Some are we adult children. Whichever stage of parenting we may be, we are concerned for our family, uh, for our children. As is expressed in the Chinese saying, Yang er yi bai sui, chan yo jiu shi jiu. This means literally, if it takes 100 years to bring up a child, it will take 99 years of worrying. In other words, no matter how old your child, your children may be, you will be concerned and worried for them as parents. Right? <laughs> yeah, no matter how old they are, even after they already had their own family, had their own children, as parents, you're still concerned for them and still uh, worried for them. But then we need to remember the promise that God gives his beloved sleep. God gives mothers and fathers sleep. We had the assurance that our children belong to him. He loves them more than we do. Uh, this is, uh, I take a lot of comfort in that. A lot of times I say, God, you love my children more than I love them. Definitely, you know, you will lead them, you will guide them. Yeah, your God indeed loves us. I love our children more than we do. He made them as unique individuals and he will fulfill his purposes in their life. We are just God's stewards to the children he entrusted us to. And this is also very important. We are not the owner of our children. We are just stewards so that we do not kind of impose on the children our unfulfilled dream and expect our children to, fu to fulfill our dreams. And that will cause a lot of problems. But if we know that we are just stewards, we can trust God. We don't have to like be unduly worried. We just need to be faithful in bringing up the children as best as we can be. And we can trust God and commit our effort to Him. Even if we made mistakes, the parents here, any one of you can say that you never made mistake in the course of bringing up your children. We all make mistakes. When we look back, we will say, oh, I should have done this. I should have done that. I shouldn't have said this. I shouldn't have said that. We all make mistakes. And also in parenting, Experience doesn't count. You may have your first child and you know, oh, I already had the experience of parenting. But then when, your second, when you look at your second child, totally different from your first child. So it's a totally new so-called task yeah, that you had to do. Experience in that sense doesn't really uh, count that much. Yeah, because they are all different. They are unique. But then we had the assurance that even if we make mistakes, there is always opportunity in every stage of the life for a new beginning in Him. Finally, I would like to have a word of encouragement to parents who are very burdened for their children who stray away, children who are wandered off from God, children who are no longer in church or no longer, you know, like worship God. 
And I would like to share a story to encourage parents who carry such a burden. It is a story of Monica, the mother of St. Augustine. Monica was a God-fearing woman, and she brought up Augustine in the faith. One day, in his teenage years, Augustine announced to the mother, he was throwing aside the mother's faith in Christ to follow heresies. And he went on to live a life of immorality. Monica prayed unceasingly for her son, and Augustine knew it. Years later, Augustine wrote in his confessions, It's almost nine years past in which I wallow in the mire of the deep pit and the darkness of falsehood, all which time that chest, godly and sober widow, referring to his mother, sees not at all hours of her devotion to bewail my case unto you. Monica not only prayed, she went to the bishop as well and asked him to talk to Augustine to refute his error in his thinking. The bishop refused because Augustine was known as an orator and a great debater. Instead, the bishop advised and comforted Monica by saying that a mind so sharp would eventually see through the deception. But Monica would not be consoled by those words. She continued to beg the bishop and plead with him through tears. Finally, wearied by her tenacity, but at the same time, moved by the pain in her soul for her son, the bishop said, Go, go, leave me alone. Live on as you are living. It is not possible that the son of such tears should be lost. It is not possible that a son of such tears should be lost. Yet, the son of such tears continued to run from his mother and from his God. He ran for many more years. Then one day, Augustine listened to St. Ambrose, Bishop of Milan. Exhausted by the years of running, convicted and broken, he turned to embrace Jesus. St. Augustine became a great theologian. Some credited him as God's tool that kept the light of New Testament shining when the Roman Empire fell apart. And not too long after her prodigal Augustine came home for good, Monica told him that she had nothing more to wish for. Her lifelong quest, her lifelong dream of seeing the son come back to Jesus had been fulfilled. Nine years later, Monica went back to be with her Lord. So for those of us here who still carry the burden of our prodigal children, or prodigal child who stray and wander away from God, take heart and continue to pray. Remember that the child of such tears should not be lost. And trust God that in his own time, he'll bring back our child, our children into his sheepfold.
the promise is. God grants sleep to mothers and fathers. Let us pray. Dear Lord, on this Mother's Day, we want to give you thanks for our mothers. We pray for all mothers and fathers too, as they nurture, care, and support our children. We thank you for giving us the grace to bring up our children in the Lord and for inculcating the Christian values in them. We thank you for blessing us with strong families. We want to pray especially for those of us whose children have wandered off from you. We pray that we will continue to intercede for them. We trust you to bring them back to your sheepfold in your time. Thank you that you are sovereign in our family. Thank you that we can rest in our promise. Thank you that you grant sleep to mothers and fathers too. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.